Welcome to the Royal College of Psychiatrists podcast. My name's Ken Chikinski. I'm a consultant psychiatrist at St George's University of London in Tooting. And I'm delighted today to be in conversation with Diane, who's going to talk about her personal journey to deal with her alcohol problem, to the brink and back again. Diane, tell us a little bit about your personal journey. Well, this has been a long journey. It started, I guess, about eight years ago when I saw my GP because I was worried about my alcohol intake. Um, I was worried about the effect drinking so much was having on my life. I was also worried that I was starting to drink earlier and earlier in the day. So it sounds like the problem is getting more serious. GPs are often in an ideal position to advise somebody about an alcohol problem. What was your GP's response to this? She, was, uh, she took it very seriously. She listened to what I had to say. Um, she asked me how much I did drink a day, to which I did not give the correct answer. I said uh, something less than I actually did. Um, and she said, um, you know, all these medical problems that you're coming to me with, I think a lot of them you can put down to alcohol and alcohol abuse. So your GP said this is a serious problem. But you said you didn't tell her as, uh, that you were drinking as much as you really were. Why was that? I suppose that I was ashamed of how much I was really drinking. And I always thought, well, tomorrow it would be better. So if I stop drinking as much now, I won't have to tell anybody. So the medical problems, um, ha- have you, uh, were you told that there were any particular medical problems that were caused by alcohol? At the, at the time, I was told that there were various things like I had problems with sweating. Um, I, had, um, I was actually shaking when I was doing things. Um, I couldn't remember what I'd done the, the night before, the day before, which was quite worrying. Um, and so these things, um, were, I was told, were, put down, were, were because of alcohol um, abuse. Um, and I've since found out that um, I've actually had some, some slight brain damage done, is the cause. And has that brain damage been, been confirmed? It was confirmed. It was confirmed about, about a year ago. It's, it's, it's funny because it's, it's something that's for the past um, few years has worried me, that, um, that there is alcohol-related brain damage, and I know that um, I have um, really um, treated my body very badly. So it was, um, it was quite ironic to learn that, yes, I do have some. Despite that, though, you're, get, you're getting on with your life. So what happened then? What did the GP advise and what did you do? Um, the GP advised that I went to an alcohol treatment service, which I, I went to, this is in London. Um, this is really the, the, the first two bits, because when I went there I told them I wanted to embark on controlled drinking. Now, controlled drinking is something which, for people with serious problems, they see wisdom is that it isn't very successful. Uh, was this an NHS service, and what did they say to you about trying controlled drinking? Yes, it was an NHS service. It is an NHS service. And they said, yes, okay, if that's what you want to do, then that's what we'll go for. But we can't um, say that it's going to be easy or that it will work because um, it is a very, very difficult thing to do. Did you feel they advised you in an even-handed way or were they saying, well, it really wouldn't work? No, I think it was pretty even-handed way. And I also think that they probably realised that if they'd said, no, we won't do control drinking, I would have just left. So they, they appreciated your agenda and, and tried to work with you on that agenda? Absolutely. How did it go? 
It went um, quite well initially. I was given a chart to fill in, um, and I was um, supposed to reduce the drinking on a on a daily a, a daily intake, which um, I, I actually did. After a few months, I reduced it to substantially, um, and I thought I, I can manage this now. So um, I left the treatment service. Um, I was not unhappy to leave. I was very grateful for the help and advice they'd given me. But I thought, now I know what to do, now I can control my drinking. So during the period you were in contact with the treatment service, what advice and support and what techniques were they um, using with you? They, they were using, they wanted to know when I was drinking and how much I was drinking. Really, they were telling me to look at myself and realise when and how much I was drinking. Was there any emphasis on the reasons for your drinking? Was it mainly looking at your behaviour then and there? It, it was mainly looking at the behaviour, I think, as opposed to the reasons for the drinking. Um, I, on, I, I, I should have said, on the chart, as well as actually putting down how much I was drinking, I also had to put down the situation and how I felt about things. So I suppose that was, that was um, addressing the behaviour side. It's very similar to a, a very common technique we use called cognitive behaviour therapy. So it's using those principles as well. So you, you cut down your drinking, you left the treatment service. How did things progress from there? Well, um, not terribly well. After about two to three months, I had um, gone back to my old drinking pattern of drinking several bottles of wine a day. And at what point did you realise things had slipped back a bit? Well, I think I didn't really realise it slipped back a bit. I just went on in my old lifestyle. And we're now sort of talking about five years. It took me five years to realise I had to do something. I was now starting to drink um, at about eight o'clock every morning. Um, you get very good at hiding bottles. And um, I was basically drinking throughout the day. I was never sober. And um, I think one or two things happened to me that made me realise that um, I had to do something about this. Things like um, actually sleeping outside because I couldn't turn the key in the lock to get, to get home. Um, I wasn't able to hold my glass some of the time because I was shaking so badly. Um, and I think in these things there's always some innocuous happening, this final straw, which is something happened to me which I thought I can't take this anymore. Um, I have to go and seek help. And what help did you seek at that point? I went back to my GP. It was now a different GP. Um, and um, I explained to her that I had been at this treatment service before, controlled drinking, I would now like to be referred back to them. And how was this GP's response? She was very, very, very encouraging. Over the years, she had been asking me to, um, to, to seek help with my drinking problem. And you come back and you sought help and being referred on. When you went back to the service, um, what was offered to you? They said, what, what, what would you like to do? And I said, I would like to um, control my drinking, but I've already tried that, and I know that that doesn't work. It doesn't work for me anyway. And so I'd like to stop drinking altogether. And what assistance were you given to stop drinking completely? Um, I, was, I was... First of all, we fixed a date for detox, which I did at home, having um, medical checks on a daily basis. Um, and, um, and after that, I... Um, went into the service on a regular basis to see my key worker. So how did being seen uh, on a daily basis during detoxification help you? 
It helped me. You, you see, they actually wanted me to do an in-house a detox, but I, I wanted to do it at home. And I suppose it was very difficult in some ways because you're not, you're not, you don't have 24-hour care. But it helped that I had to interact with the outside world to go and have my checkups. I remember one day I actually bought a newspaper from a newspaper vendor, and that was a, an amazing feat for me to do because I had had contact with another person, I think, on a fairly normal level, and it had worked. So I was quite, I was quite thrilled by that. So in your case, having contact with normality during detoxification is a good thing. Obviously, some people may need to be in hospital for any number of very understandable reasons, medical reasons, psychological reasons, or because their social circumstances are, are so aver- adverse. But you were having contact. What about dealing with the, the fact that alcohol was all around you? That's an incredibly difficult thing. It was very, very difficult then. It's difficult now. But if we're looking back then, during the detox... It was very difficult to pass a pub um, on the way to be medically checked because I wanted to go in there. I just wanted to give the whole thing up. And it's, 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 it takes quite a bit of strength to, to pass pubs and carry on and, so, and leave, leave the drinking aside. So you were dealing with your craving uh, to, to drink by making a decision at, at some point not to go into the pub, not to get a drink, not to go back to square one. Yes, absolutely. So in terms of follow-up, a lot of people say that it's fairly straightforward to stop drinking, but it's the difficult thing is really to stay stopped. How did you stay stopped? How did I stay stopped? Well, it's, it's something that's ongoing. It's, um, it's, it's, it's not finite. Recovery is not finite. Um, every individual is different. I have um, given up alcohol's taste. I have given up the effects of alcohol. So um, I do deal with those, even though it's very difficult. But um, I cannot give up the social acceptability, the fact that I want to look the same as other people. And so I actually use non-alcoholic wine and non-alcoholic beer. So it's normal to be drinking, you want to look the same as other people who are drinking. But your life has changed by the sound of it. How has your life changed? My life has changed very much. There is still a total obsession with alcohol, but that's on the side of the coin of dealing with the problems, difficulties of being abstinent. But it's far worse. If, if it wasn't worth being abstinent, I wouldn't do it. Um, it there have been huge benefits in, in, um, in, in not drinking alcohol. I actually feel that I've got my life back. Um, I don't think that's too extreme to say that. I think that I can... Um, interact with people in society, I can contribute to society, I can help my own. Um, you know, before, when I was drinking, I used to think people were looking at me all the time. Um, I don't know why, but now I feel that I can interact with people on a normal level. What if somebody says, Diane, come on, have a drink? It would have to be somebody who doesn't know me very well, because the people I know well I'm close to do know my problem, and that I... Um, um, I'm abstinent. But I would say to them that I can't drink. And people very rarely come back to you and say, why can't you drink? If you say, I don't drink, um, people will say, why not? Um, I have two worries. One is that um, I'm boring, because when you're drunk you think you're really interesting. And the second problem is that I don't want to appear holier than thou, because it's my problem and I don't want to spoil other people's enjoyment. And Diane... Just before we finish, have you, no, have you noticed any other benefits of being dry now? Well, I think just, just generally, um, as I've tried to get across, I can actually function now without alcohol. 
Um, and to me, the most important thing that I've gained is that I've gained my mind back. My mind is very important to me. I enjoy using it. And um, I find it I, I find it a very precious thing. And I think that nothing can take my mind away from me except perhaps alcohol. And I'm very, very determined that no, I'm not going to lose it again. Thank you very much, Diane. We've heard how a non-judgmental approach from uh, Diane's general practitioner helped her tremendously on at least two occasions and how detoxification was offered once there a relapse prevention plan was put in place. We've also heard that um, initially Diane wanted to, to try control drinking, which for a small number of people can be successful, uh, and that the service, the treatment service, did not say, oh, don't, don't bother with that. So uh, encouragement to Diane, and I think, I hope you'll agree, encouragement from Diane for anybody uh, on that journey of recovery from an alcohol problem. Thank you, Ken. Thank you.